When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think it was better than I expected, but I found some bits quite bizarre, and I can't believe this is like Edgar Wright. At some points, it felt a little bit like an Emmerdale special with the scripting and some of the the way the scenes were lit, and it just felt a little bit weird. And I don't know whether that was intentional. I mean, Edgar Wright's famous for kind of comedic brand of horror, but this, I think, is trying not to be that, but I couldn't help but kind of laugh as I watched, just because I get very scared of anything, but this, it felt very camp and goofy. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Flixwater Podcast. Today I'm joined by Sarah. Hi. Meg. Hi. And Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about Last Night in Soho. So thank you as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes. And thank you to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his editing skills on this podcast. Please do remember to head to Spotify and Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you can do a rating and give us a five-star rating and a glowing review. And also, if you want to join in the conversation with us, do find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod or on Instagram at FlixWatcher. film fans welcome to flick swatcher podcast our guests today are meg and sarah over to you please sarah to say hello to our listeners and introduce yourself please hi i'm sarah collier i'm a phd researcher in literature and film and i'm also working in the documentary distribution business so what is your phd anything related to to film it is, yeah, yeah. I, I look at representations of masculinity and technology in narratives of the war on terror. Oh, wow. So I look a lot of The Hurt Locker and lots of films about drones as well. I'm a bit of a drone nerd. Very different to what we're about to talk about today. Probably not an awful lot of expertise that's going to transfer. <laughs> <laughs> was it any drone warfare in the 60s London? I can't think that there was. No. <laughs> no, but interestingly, the roots of drone warfare go way, way back into the 20th century. First World War, so. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, that's, uh, guys, if you want to listen, when you publish that, Sarah, do tell us so we can we can share it with our fans if anyone wants to know about the roots of drone warfare and the origins of Hurt Locker. <laughs> yeah, if you want to be severely depressed. Yeah. <laughs> and who are you? On my bottom right-hand corner. <laughs> I'm Meg. I'm a freelance writer. I have a focus on film and culture. I typically write for Stylist and Glamour UK. Uh, you can also find me at Daily Beast, Little White Lies, and a whole range of other publications. Nice. Yeah, we've had a few Little White Lies people on the podcast. I think we've had pretty much everyone. And it's one of my favourite film magazines, certainly. And we have Inside of Baseball, although we say this every time someone from Little White Lies comes on, we kind of stole your scoring system. And, well, it inspired what we do here at FlixWatcher. Inspired, yes. It's a great way to look at films. I, I think it's re yeah really interesting to look at what you thought you were going to see, what you ended up seeing. And so no judgment for borrowing. <laughs> Not that I like own Little White Lies. <laughs> oh, I thought you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the owner. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Well, congratulations on getting to 100th episodes, 100th edition. That's definitely a landmark and I hope you get to 200 pretty soon as well. I'm sure this is a film you would have discussed in Little White Lies, maybe not reviewed by yourself specifically, but this is Last Night in Soho. Kids, first of all, tell us Meg why you chose it. And I'll get the timer out for a 60 second or less synopsis. Yeah, sure. So I picked this for maybe a bit of a bizarre reason in that I... It's not my favorite film um, by any means, but I think there are some things about it that I really enjoyed and I thought it'd be interesting to get into some of the reasons that it didn't completely succeed for me on some levels. But yeah, I was really intrigued by the premise. First of all, I really connected with this idea of a young university age girl coming to London and having all of these ideas about what the city meant from like a cultural historical perspective and how the film sort of captures this feeling that when you are a transplant into London, you can feel the kind of layers of history underneath you and it can be a really exciting, magical place to live. But then the reality is not always quite what you expected. <laughs> so where, where are you from, Meg? I'm from Canada, a small town in Canada. Do you feel like you've been, trans- you're a transplant, do you live in London now? Yeah, I live in southeast London now. So do you have, do you feel like any kind of parallels with, with Ellie as uh, as you landed here? A little bit. Were you dressing I mean, in newspaper dresses before you, before you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> before you got on the plane here? Not quite, baby, but I definitely like had watched old movies and had interacted with this idea. I mean, especially this isn't really what they get. They're more into the 60s, obviously, but like period dramas and the idea of England as a whole was very present for, I think, a lot of Canadian girls <laughs> growing up. And yeah, so it's it's interesting to come here and realize that culturally, obviously, this isn't the, the country that still exists or probably ever really existed. Well, you've got 60 seconds to give a synopsis. God. You ready? Yeah. Timer starts <laughs> now. Okay, so Last Night in Soho follows Ellie, uh, Eloise, who's a young 60s obsessed girl living in Cornwall. She moves to London to study fashion design. It's also important to note that she's kind of got this ghost sixth sense. She sees her mother in the mirror, her dead mother in the mirror, from time to time, as you do. When she gets to London, she doesn't really fit in with the other students. She eventually ends up moving into this very gloomy, creepy bedsit in Soho, where her ghost visions begin again. She becomes this girl from the 60s called Sandy, who it seems lived in the same room as her. Every night she goes around Soho as Sandy and things soon take a very dark turn and she begins trying to solve the mystery of Sandy in the past and the present. Nice. Nice synopsis. Thank you. Sarah, had you seen this before? I had not seen it before, no. Oh, really? This was the first time. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was quite surprised by it, I think. I think I was expecting a lot more seediness than there was in the aesthetic of the film. I think that what it was trying to do in its kind of content and its twists and turns was very much trying to hit at that kind of underbelly side of London that, that as Meg was saying, doesn't match up to this kind of romantic image of it but actually the feeling that I got from watching it was like it did feel it felt a bit too glitzy and shiny to match those expectations of mine too glitzy and too shiny is that I don't know is that with the with the lens of the fashion world on there and trying to kind of crack into showbiz and still a black 
been mentioned a few times. Yeah, or, or just even like the colours and the the very sort of like Laura's like over stylization of the mm-hmm. film. I thought it, it missed a little bit of the the grime. I think I would have liked to see more grime in the the actual tone and the aesthetic of the film. It was definitely trying to reach for that in in its subject matter, but I'm not sure that that was reflected in the visual aspect of the film for me. Oh, fair enough. Helen, have you seen this before? I had not. Really? So. I remember seeing the trailers and being like, oh, this looks, looks cool. Obviously, we all look, love Edgar Wright. And then I did what you should never do. And I read some discourse online and went, oh, maybe I don't want to see that. And it, it went off the cinema and then uh, it came on Netflix. And I was like, oh, I hope someone's going to pick this so I can find out what it's really all about and put all my fears of the discourse away. And I think it was better than I expected, but... I found some bits quite bizarre and I can't believe this is like Edgar Wright. At some points it felt a little bit like an Emmerdale special with like the scripting and some of the the way the scenes were lit and it just felt a little bit weird. And I don't know whether that was intentional or whether, I, I don't know. I really don't know. There's a lot of puzzling things about it. And yeah, I kind of feel a little bit the same in that it still didn't really feel much like London, even though it was kind of going, oh, this is sort of the reality of London. And I found the the students at school a bit unrealistic for like modern day students. There was like moments when it took me out of kind of like the magic and the world building it was doing with some slightly strange choices. And there was some slightly wacky accents. And I was a bit like, oh, this is... I'm not sure about this. So I think I'm kind of like landing in the middle. So yeah, I would love to hear what Meg's kind of like um, things she enjoyed and didn't enjoy are to see if there's any overlap because I thought Anya Taylor-Joy was great. I'm not sure about it. Um, I've forgotten her name. Thomas McKenzie. Yeah, I wasn't sure about her casting in this and that just might have been the accent thing. So yeah, I was there was a couple of bits where I was just like, oh, not sure about that. Go on, Meg. What do you like and not like the first time? And was that... <laughs> yeah. Did that happen again? Well, I feel like what I like is basically what I've already said in that I really like the ideas behind it and I can see what, yeah, perhaps is being aimed for. But it kind of, yeah, falls apart, I think, in a lot of ways in how it's executed. It ends up feeling, I think the sort of whole third act feels incredibly goofy and hard to take seriously. I mean, Edgar Wright's famous for kind of comedic brand of horror, but this I think is trying not to be that, but I couldn't help but kind of laugh as I watch the end of this film, just because it's, I get very scared of anything but this I was like okay okay, hands are coming it felt very camp and goofy and like someone had watched some old horror movies and and thought oh that could be scary and tried to shove it in but yeah I I think that is one of when I when I really checked out was in how it tried to kind of conclude itself as a full-on horror we can't give spoilers here of course so if you want to be specific about which any any sections you wanted to check out and the the entire like ghost situation i feel like as they say like things sometimes are scarier when you don't see them and that's definitely true and in this case you see everything and it's like in, in just a kind of silly that's how i felt oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's what i mean by the lacking of grime in it as well and like wanting it to feel a bit seedy is because all of that kind of 
bleakness that it should have had was was totally overshadowed by that goofiness. I agree. Oh, fair enough. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of discourse about the well and sentiment from my side. I think the the first half of it I really enjoyed and got into. And I think some of this kind of the the setup into Eloise Ellie going into into Soho in in her dreams or reality, which is true, which is not kind of thing, and at the same time uncovering the the story of this of this girl and that helping her in her artistic side of things and manifesting in her real life. I thought it was really kind of interesting. And I like the story with which could have been like the story of anybody, as Sandy someone who's you know a young ingenue trying to get Mike away into the in, into show business and being taken for granted and I, I feel that kind of stories probably happen more times than we care to mention I think that was quite an interesting angle about it as well and I thought I also like the, the a lot of the Edgar Wright's kind of flourishes that we have as you know particularly with the like the dance sequence at the start in the club where it's splitting between Eloise and and Sandy and use the mirror technique and things like that. I really, I came away thinking, wow, that's just like really stunning. And like 90% of that is done in camera. It's not CGI. There's a few CGI bits or a few like clever cutting, but you know, it's just kind of goes to show how good like choreography can make a scene like come together. Matt Smith, I always find him weird as a, as a baddie. I'm not sure. He's a, he's a great actor, but it, like in this and Game of Thrones, when he's a bad guy, I'm like, oh, it's Matt Smith. <laughs> but he does a good he does a good cd cd guy in, in places so yeah but i think as it, as it gets to more kind of manifestation of the ghost i do not check out but i'm like, it's like oh, I, don't, I didn't see this i didn't see it go in this direction and it's a bit i don't know it, I, I feel it could have I, I would have loved it to end a different way i don't know what other way it would have ended but it would have been nice to maybe carry on that kind of on a different track i think I agree. Like I and I, I definitely agree with the choreography as well. I think there was some, as you say, some really beautiful flourishes in it. And I love that kind of like mirroring sequence at the very beginning when she goes into that kind of underworld. That's really cool. Uh, I love the costume design and sort of Ellie's transition from 60s kind of glamour person to going into like her goth phase as she becomes more disillusioned with the world. I really liked all of that. But yeah, I just thought at the end that it there was there was so much plot in that last yeah. third that I just don't think needed to be there. And yeah, as Meg was saying, the horror comes from that kind of unknowable. And yeah, the, the fact that some things aren't ever going to be known and that just evades our comprehension as, as, as mortal beings. And so then when everything is given to you is on a plate and it's like, oh, it's really ne- neatly wrapped up and explained. And it's because of this actual very kind of material reason that... Uh, I don't know, it's faced by so many people that it just, yeah, I don't know. It, it it was a little bit too neat at the end, but at the same time, really quite bloated in terms of its plot. Definitely feels that he spent a lot of time accomplishing like the technical mirror shots in that very early part of the film and then got to some point and was like, oh, we have to finish this. Like, how are we going to finish it? Right, we're going to do that and we're going to do that and we're going to do like loads of creepy ghost men in the street, but they're going to look a bit cheesy because we've like blown all our budget on the mirror stuff and like, it'll be fine. People won't mind. He did it. And, uh, you know, the kind of the big reveal that he didn't will completely blow everyone's mind, even though we got to that point and went, oh yeah, we kind of saw that coming. Sorry. I, I, I didn't see that coming, but I'm like the last person to plot ahead and find any twist in, in in any kind of film so that's not a surprise in in this case i want to talk a bit about the the other students because i can't remember if it was meg or said points about the about the characters and in this one 
this on this rewatch, I, I saw it at the cinema. On this rewatch, I remember thinking, what is Jocasta exactly? I don't, I just don't get how anyone can be that ridiculous as a person. And obviously there must be these people. And obviously this is a story of this particular group of people. So there are people like that, but also it just felt a bit incredible that you're like meeting, meeting someone caricature. for the first time in university and you're such an obed to, to people. It just didn't seem ring true to me in, in, in a way. Yeah, there's definitely not a lot of subtlety going into creating those characters. I think, again, because the, there's so much plot being shoved at you so quickly, it felt like they had to very quickly establish, like, these are mean girls. Yeah. <laughs> they say mean things every time they speak to you. <laughs> so yeah, caricature of a caricature is a good, a good way to put it. Although I watched it with my partner and he did instantly understand the type of character being drawn and said, oh, I know girls like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, it does, ser- it serves a purpose f- in terms of story, but is also a lot of the rest of the film kind of hammy and very unbelievable. I want to see Jocasta's CV. Like, is she a mature <laughs> student? Like, I don't understand how she's come into her first year of uni with so much, so much life experience. <laughs> Well, she must have taken a gap year before, um, before coming yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, don't, I just felt, there's no, you just, I don't know if you'd be so miserable or so horrible to someone that, especially if they're going to be your roommate. I mean, that as well, like, do shared dorms exist in like now still? Like, Yeah, they exist. They exist in certain central London universities, I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> They existed in that Sheffield when I was there and I specifically chose the Hall's residence I was in because it didn't have any shared dorms. So I know it did, I mean, and this was 20 odd years ago, so things have changed obviously in the Sheffield. Is there anything else guys want to say before we head to the scores where we obviously keep go a bit deeper into it? But again, where are you with Edgar Wright films in general? Which are your favourite ones? And obviously include Spaced in, in the mix as well, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I really lo- loved Baby Driver. I thought it was really fun and so, yeah, stylishly made. And he he's able to kind of create films that f- feel like completely orchestrated in a musical way. And I think that film obviously did that so, so well. And th- this one almost did and then didn't. So, <laughs> so yeah. So this is our fourth, I think, Edgar Wright film. We've had Shaun of the Dead, Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim versus The World. Hot Fuzz yeah. as well. Have we had, we haven't done Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz yeah. yeah, it is his, but he's, it's, it's not on. No, so we've never, we've never t- recorded. It's always on ITV3. <gasps> I think it's like ITV2 yeah. or 3. It's always on there. They have exclusive rights for Hot Fuzz. Yeah, I was saying, sorry, Sarah, in, in our 300 plus episodes, 380 plus episodes, is it 380? No, it's 300 plus episodes that we've recorded Baby Driver, Shaun of the Dead and Scott Pilgrim. We haven't done Hot Fuzz yet. I see. So when that does come to Netflix and anyone chooses it, please do come and record it with us because we'd like to complete the set. What are your thoughts, Sarah, on, on Edgar? So I, I really like Hot Fuzz, hence my, yeah. my eagerness <laughs> to bring it up. Because I, I so I I guess I grew up somewhere that's very much like Hot Fuzz. You grew up um, in Sanford? I think he depicts, I grew up on the Welsh okay. border where the, it's very kind of rural and its own kind of little microcosm and it appears very sort of flat, but there's, but there's so much kind of little sub-narratives of people's lives going on all the time. Um, and so I, I actually had a similar kind of experience as, as Ellie going to 
to London when I was 18 as well. So I guess that's something that I can relate to with that film. Did you live in a dorm with an absolute unit? Well, I don't know. I don't want to say the bad word. (laughs) (laughs) With someone who isn't very nice to you on first viewing. No, I didn't, thankfully. Yeah, I, I was in a dorm with 11 very nice people. But now thinking that I lived with mm. 11 people makes me shiver. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad those I'm glad those days are over. But yeah, I, I really liked Top Fuzz because I think that he is just really good at that kind of very incisive, perceptive look into this kind of English culture that we like to oppress and we like to pretend that it's all very above board and la-di-da, but it's not really. So yeah, so I, I like that very much. Yeah, Helen, we've, we've had, like I said, Edgar Wright a few times in here. I think you were, I can't remember you being a fan generally. Yeah, I'm very much Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz era Edgar Wright and, and Spaced. I love, I love the silliness and then the the slightly cleverness as well and the repetition type humour does it for me and like zombie films. So yeah, that's, uh, we have had Baby Driver and I think when we revisited it, there's some involvement with various cast members that kind of like slightly soured it. But I think in terms of what he did with kind of amping it up to bringing like a completely polished Hollywood film and with the audio as well, just makes this feel so strange because the ingredients are all sort of there but he's just not managed to pull it off so yeah I want to see what he does next and I hope he kind of doesn't do more like this and kind of either does funny and silly or baby drivers sort of polished well with that shall we head to the scores let's do it I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song and Kobe from Flixwatcher and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of our scores are out of five and you can have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Meg, with your recommendability. Okay, I am going to say 2.5. I do think there's a lot to, to see in it. And with all of the mirror sequences and the really interesting camera work we've talked about, there's it's definitely worth seeing, I think, once, but it definitely wouldn't be the first film I recommend to someone. Sarah? Yeah, I think I'm going to go for the same 2.5 because I just, I think there are better representations of London out there. That doesn't, it's not every reason that you would go to watch a film, but yeah, I just, I just think there are, there are better films out there doing what it's trying to do. That kind of disillusionment, Paris syndrome thing. Helen? Yeah, I'm going to get a little bit higher. I'm going to give it a three. I know a lot of people have watched it and really enjoyed it. And I think I think if you kind of really do like 60s London, whether it's kind of like super stylized or not, you might enjoy this a little bit more. But I am really glad I watched it. So yeah, I'm generous three. I'm going to give higher you guys 3.62. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I will look forward to anything that Edgar does. I was looking forward to rewatching this. My attention was more 
because I, you know, in hindsight, I watched this for the second time. My attention was more in the first half of this film and kind of wane, did wane towards the end. And I think there were, it wasn't necessarily the ghost side of things. It was more like the, how long she's spending time investigating this thing and it didn't kind of work for me. So I feel like if I, I would watch it again, certainly we'll, we'll go to that in repeat viewing score, but I definitely would recommend it to people because I think it's an interesting film to watch. And I think different people will take different things away from it as well. Repeat viewing score, Meg. I'm going to say two. I, I don't feel particularly drawn to see it again. This is your second time, right? Yes. Yeah. So I, I made myself watch it again for some reason. <laughs> but I mean, some, sometimes, I mean, that's part of the kind of the in retrospect score that Little White Lies does. Is you, you feel that you just need to watch the film again to reevaluate after you've had some time for, to live with it. So I can, I can understand why you want to watch it because there are definite things in there that are worth watching again but you're just saying that now now you've seen it twice it's not really going to be something you're going to revisit often yeah I don't think there's any like leaves stones unturned yeah. <laughs> for me uh, so it's a two Sarah I'm going to go for a three because I think I would want to give it another chance I know it's divisive some people have come away saying they really hated it and then other people have really loved it so I want to try to go back to it and, and see it with more of an open mind Helen? I'm not sure about this one. It is nearly two hours as well. It's quite a long one. I'm going to go 1.5 for repeat. I'm going to go for 2.5. I've seen it before. I was glad to watch it again. I will likely watch it again, but it won't be at the top of my Edgar Wright films I reach for. So 2.5. Small screen score. Meg, did you watch it in the cinema the first time? I think, um, yeah, I, I think... I mean, we ha we have a fairly, as Sarah knows, fairly large TV in our house. So I've not experienced <laughs> it on a small screen. But I think it definitely benefits from being viewed on a, a bigger screen just because of the sort of larger than life style of mm. it. So I think maybe a, t a two, if you're watching it on a small screen for the plot, you might be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, Sarah. Yeah, I I'm, I'm think I'm going to go... 1.5 because I watched it for the first time on a smaller screen on my TV and I just felt like all of that charm that I wanted to feel flowing from the film was lost from not being on the cinema and I'm sure I would have had a very different experience if I'd seen it first at a theatre. Helen? Yeah, so I wouldn't go out again and watch this at the cinema and I'm not that fussed that I missed it on the big screen but it definitely in his mind when he made it that this is like going to be on the biggest screen the kind of like oldest cinema that's left standing in London is going to be playing this and it's going to be amazing so I'm going to give it a 3.5 I mean I thought it was fine but I think that again yeah you, you might enjoy it a little bit more on the bigger screen yeah I'm going to go 3.5 as well for more reasons more aligned with Meg I think I, I definitely did really enjoy it more in the cinema and the the kind of focus you have there to sweep you through and the goodwill of the first half definitely kind of leaps through into the second half and the music and the and the stylistic choices and i think even the kind of ghosty side kind of comes a bit bigger as well on on the, on the, on the big screen and i'm sure this i can't remember what the sound was like but i'm sure that would have played a big part into it as well in the in the latter part of the film um but still it works so it still kind of works okay on the small screen so yeah, 3.5. Engagement score, Meg. Okay, I put 3.5 purely from the perspective of someone who hasn't seen it before. I think it 
is one of those films where you wonder what happened and you're guessing and you're trying to come up with like a hypothesis about what's what's happened. So you do kind of want to feel you want to see it through, I think. Sarah? Yeah, I'm going to go the same. I'm going to go 3.5. I think, yeah, same reasons. You do, I, I guess... I wasn't looking at my phone that much throughout it, but apart from at the end when it's, you know, I think if it was 90 minutes, it would have been a phone-free viewing, but, <laughs> you know, it tips it over the edge. Helen? Oh, if this had been a 90-minute film, like, imagine what we could have lost and it could have been, like, really good. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it a three. It's, it's a bit bloated and, yeah, you're just kind of like, come on, wrap it up. Let's do it. Let's get to the end. Oh, the house's on fire. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you finished yet? That's fine. Yeah, three. Yeah, let's go for three as well. It's four for the first part, two for the second half, so average out at a three there. Uh, that gives us an overall score of 2.69500, which is lower than I thought it would be going into this. I would have thought it'd at least clear a three. So, yeah. Should we head over to Twitter, guys, to find out what our Twitter followers were saying? I don't know why I said they're calling Twitter followers, because that's nonsensical. X's now, aren't nope. they? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just no. Yeah. I can still type in twitter.com and get to the page I want to get to. So it's, it's still Twitter. So do follow us, guys. If you don't already, we are at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter. And do follow us because we talk about film and stuff in general. And before we record, we do put shout outs asking for your voices into the pod look out for a tweet saying something similar to this we're reviewing last night in soho with at sarah collar and at words by meg have you seen it tell us your thoughts and a score out of five stars for an honor shout out on this very podcast so we had a couple meg do you want to say the first one sure okay so john loftus says fantastically visually inventive really uses soho to great effect the three leads are superb and it's so good to see the legendary stamp and rig on screen too four stars we didn't talk about terrence we should have um, stamp or diana rig spoken about diana yeah, rig. yeah yeah absolutely this i think this was the last film yes yeah legend and edgar i mean talk about hot fuzz edgar does like to to work with legendary actors hot fuzz had a you know super deep bench and having Diana Rigg and, and Terrence Stamp is leaning into that kind of history of, you know, his kind of filmmaking. I thought Diana Rigg was interesting in this, but I thought Terrence Stamp was, was great fun in this. And I didn't realise, I really liked the twist actually that was played out there. And in, on a rewatch, I was looking out for the, the hints that he was supposed to more on the good side than on the sketchy side. He uses his actors really, really well and really kind of uses them to manipulate the viewer. Sarah, do you want to say the next one? Yeah, so Liam H. Dempsey says, much better on second watch when you know you're in for something different from Wright's usual fare. Visually, it's a stunner. And while the story doesn't always quite match the visuals, it's still an enjoyable giallo flecked ride with an excellent supporting turn from Matt Smith, 3.5 stars. See, this is why I've got to come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is why I was excited to come back to it because I was like, okay, now I know where it's going. Can I see, can I see the tracks that have been laid? But thank you very much, guys. Please tell us where we can find you online, on Twitter. And also tell us briefly about the new podcast, which is due to come out soon, so they can definitely look out for you. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Words by Meg. I don't know. I feel like my Twitter engagement is slowly 
dwindling as it becomes more and more exified. It's sad. I want to tape like a little blue bird into the corner of my screen over top of the X. <laughs> what, about when you, what about when your screen resizes? Are you just going to move the, the, the blue bird around? Yeah, I'll just have to move it around <laughs> on my screen <laughs> to cover it up. And yes, so we're working on a podcast, a film podcast together, Sarah and I. Do you have a name yet? We have a name. It is going to be called Screening the City. And the basic premise will be to look at films through the lens of different cities around the world. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. Just leave, leave it at that. Well, guys, we'll look forward to that coming live. And do tell us when it's live and we'll share it with everyone who's listening to this podcast so they can re-engage with you, hopefully. Sarah? Yeah, no, you could get me at Sarah Collar, C-O-L-R, on x.com again my twitter is slowly dwindling but bring me i'll be hopefully coming back to life <laughs> through this and other podcasting forays <laughs> well thank you very much guys for listening and sarah meg say goodbye to everyone and also helen bye thanks for coming on cheers guys bye bye, bye. thank you <laughs>to the mighty mighty people for their mighty mighty tunes and rockwood audio for the editing if you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this get in touch with ben at rockwoodaudio.com tell them flicks has sent you